I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In each episode. No, in this episode. You're thinking of the old <laughs> intro. When we had everything in, in, in one episode. In this episode is a review episode of Creed 3. When we review a movie, we, we like, like to talk about the sexiness. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about the sexiness here i was going to say we like to talk about the good what was positive about a movie what were its strengths before we talk about the bad what was shit about a movie what flaws did it have what weaknesses did we see and then we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad give a film a score and then Talk spoilers and final thoughts. Because uh, sometimes there's other things we have to speak about that are strengths, weaknesses, or just other things to chat about about the movie. Let's get into our review of Creed 3. I spent the last seven years of my life living out my wildest dreams. Bianca. Rocky, my dad, this is built on their shoulders. Hey, my man, can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing an autograph, but you get off my car. You don't remember me, huh? Damien. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, huh? I know I've been away a long time, but I kept myself in shape. I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. Thank you. Curious what happened with you two? I didn't tell you. We was like brothers. I was the best, though. Man, I never got a chance to prove that. And that was from the trailer to Creed 3. This is... Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, starring himself, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Felicia Rashad, and Wood Harris, and also Mila Davis-Kent. The synopsis of this film is that Adonis has been thriving in both his career and family life, but when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face-off is more than just a fight. Yes, indeed, it is personal. This is uh, written by Keegan Kugler, or Keenan Kugler and Zach Balin from a story partially by Ryan Kugler. All right, Shanna. So Creed 3, I, I think maybe we reviewed Creed 2 on the podcast. It's been a while since that movie came out. I know that the first Creed film came out in 2015. You were a, a reluctant fan. <clears throat> it was hard to get you to watch the Rocky movies in the first yeah, place. Yeah, let's, let's get clear. I am a reluctant Rocky fan, <clears throat> but I am all the way in for Creed. Okay. Now, that said, though, you did enjoy at least one of the Rocky movies that you saw. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. You saw one, two, and did you watch three? I think we watched three, and then you're like, that's it. And I think you skipped 
four, five, and six, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And you and you know, which is fine because like one and two and three is all you need as setup to see Creed, really, for the most part. And you were a fan of especially of Creed and Creed Two, yeah? Yeah. I think you like Creed Two even more than me. Yeah, I did. So, to what extent were you excited for and looking forward to Creed 3? And what about the film lived up to your expectations? I feel like the quality of the Creed movies is very sharp cinematography, very carefully chosen elements are used to help push the story along so I feel like it's a great you know if you're starting to get into film and you want to learn a little bit about what to look for and if you want to know more about the technical things Hmm. I feel like the Creed movies are a good way to do that because they definitely seem to consistently do it Uh, in this one I really loved how they played with the format and they used different things to help break up the movie. So at one point we're in the, you know, the movie has a pre-title pre-title opening sequence. So that's cool. Mm. Cause that kind of breaks it up, you know, mm. and then we see the title and then we're doing whatever in the story. And then a little bit later, not too long after all of a sudden we're in a Showtime <laughs> documentary TV show type thing, mm-hmm. uh, getting prepped for one of the big boxing matches. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that that was really great. And then later there's something happening with a particular fight scene that's really unique. So all these different elements are used to kind of represent I feel like it marries television and movies together and is a great way to show what a movie will look like, this sort of high-end, very crisp, clean lighting versus TV has a different budget and it's almost, I don't know exactly if it is, but it almost feels like it's a different frame rate um, or you know it has this different purpose to it. So there's this nice contrast that's happening. This movie does a really good job of, of contrasting cinematography elements but then also the characters we've got adonis who is surrounded and supported by either straight up resources or people and then we've got damien who is trying to achieve the same thing uh not with support or much resources and it's just a really interesting way of showing these two worlds coming together and how they're different from each other. It's worth noting the cinematographer, since you're talking about how the film is shot often, is Kramer Morgenthau. Now, I'm not familiar with that name, but apparently he has been the cinematographer for such things as Thor, Dark World, Game of Thrones, and Chef. Uh, Oh, and also he was the cinematographer for Creed II, Mm. which was in 2018. That's why it feels like it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also like that the franchise gives gives itself time to breathe. I don't know how affected it was by the pandemic, but probably largely, you know, Creed one and then Creed two. How far were they separated? Wasn't it like two or three years? Yeah, it was three years. And so I quite like that. You know, it doesn't have to be a Marvel studio where it cranks stuff out all the time. And it also gives the characters 
realistic time to breathe and develop Mm. in between. We don't see every single beat of what they're going through in between movies, but Mm -hmm. it's so well portrayed by the actors and so well produced that, you know, we can put it together that we know what's going on. It doesn't feel like we've missed something. It almost feels like we are, (laughs) we are watching characters that we've known through other ways, like mm. you would know a superhero through comic books or TV shows, but it feels like it feels very easy to view and trust. I was very impressed with the film. I'm very happy about how it turned out. I am pleased with the franchise, and I like that it kind of ends in a way where it's like we could do another one. We, or we might not, you know, Hmm. I'm happy with whatever decision they're making. And that's kind of a hard thing to do if you've had a franchise alive for so long. It's like, well, are we going to get another one? But uh, I like that. I like the way they ended the movie Mm -hmm. because it it kind of presents this opportunity of, yes, we could, but we don't necessarily have to. But the ending is still satisfying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk more about that in spoilers. Was there anything else that you thought was good about the film you wanted to speak to right now? The score was pretty good. At one point, it felt like they were referencing the first Rocky film, so that's always nice. Mm. Who was our composer here? Uh, good question. I was just looking that up. Looks like Joseph Shirley did the score. and I'm not familiar with him by name either. He is apparently... Uh, known for the Book of Boba Fett, um, a oh, movie okay. called Bad Trip from a couple years ago. And I'm trying to see if he's done, he's done 43 credits for as a composer. So he's done, he's done a few things. Uh, let's see here. He also did a bunch of short films, actually. Most of it's short films he's composed. So, you know, this is one of a handful of feature films he's done. Jackass Forever was another feature film he uh, composed for. So. Well, anyway, yeah. Um, And I also really loved the performances, if that wasn't clear. I I thought everybody was on point with this. So I think, first of all, there's there's two different ways to look at this. There's, There's how is this film as a boxing film, first and foremost, and then how is this film as a directorial debut? I, I, and I think as both, they're great and impressive. I think let's let's talk about it as a boxing movie, first and foremost, because that's what it is, right? Um, I think that there have been, I, oh God, probably a couple dozen boxing films, right? And after that, that on Rocky, well, including the Rocky, but you know, yeah, you know, there's a probably upwards of a dozen Rocky movies alone, right? Or Rocky tangential movies now, yeah. but like, uh, after a certain point, it gets hard to figure out how to make shooting Rocky films or boxing films interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're you're essentially shooting a square and two people in that square. Right. And how you choreograph that to make it interesting. How do you shoot it to make it interesting that hasn't been done before. Right. And that can be really hard at this point. You know, I mean, you have your touchstones with uh, with Raging Bull and, and Rocky before that and. Uh, each Rocky film since, and and then you have also what Cinderella Man also, and, and a few others. But so 
uh, I think that's one of the things that's really strong about this film is it figures out how to shoot boxing in interesting ways still. And if you want, we can wait to talk about that in detail later on. Let's do that because then we can talk about all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I can say, just from the first moment or first scene, you, you it's like, oh, wow. Like, we're looking at something, uh, you know, this this movie ha- might have something interesting. As as Adonis is in the rain and he's getting punched, you know, but he's, he's I think he's in a South African uh, about. And he he's able to size up, oh, okay, there's a weakness here. There's an opening here. And what it does is it zooms in, kind of focuses on where that opening is. And that's, that's pretty cool. And, and we can get into the rest later. So I, I think that's great. Well, I, I forgot to mention that it, I'm not a boxing fan, uh-huh. but this, the way that they shot this and showed all these different elements of it and what it can involve and how it's, you know, it's not just about knocking someone out. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I love how this movie positions boxing in a new place for me. It actually is a sport. Uh, We briefly hear Damien saying he wants to do this one, this one, this one, and the Olympics, which I was like, oh, well, if it's in the Olympics, to me, in my mind, it's like, okay, I guess it is a sport. Mm. And this, you know, and then he wants to be a world champion, I think he says. And it's just so interesting to me who knows nothing about boxing to see it finally being represented as uh, you know it's not just a a person achieving something in a sport like the sport means something and it does have a sense of like i don't know like authority in the sports world it's not just it's not piddly widdly games, you know. Mm. I don't really know what the word is. I can't f- seem to find it. What happened in the movie that made that click for you, as opposed to previous movies? I think hearing them talk about it. So a couple things, like Damien talks about his goals, and one in- includes Olympics. And then Adonis is talking about setting up a fight between Drago and... What is the other player's name? Oh, it's a oh gosh, yeah. I I I want to say it starts with a V. It is Felix. Felix Chavez. Okay, so uh, he talks about setting up this game between the two of them and how it's going to be the game of the year. And Match, he's but yeah, uh, sorry. And he's very excited about it. And it was also interesting the costuming choices. They have him wearing a hoodie and a suit jacket over it, but it's like a particular color and a particular texture. And I was like, that's really freaking cool because now you sort of see Michael B. Jordan. Uh, well, you see Adonis becoming this manager mentor oh yeah uh, you know pivoting himself from you know participant in a sport to i'm gonna help bring boxing to the next level kind of thing or at least not in the next generation yeah and not in like a i'm a shiny star doing this kind of thing just Uh like a very community-based and Uh very using the connections he already has and trying to make it a safe place and Mm. it was just very interesting yeah. yeah, so those factors, how they were, how we were seen beyond I'm a player getting ready to play perspective really helped me understand that it's much more than two two boxers going up against each other. Mm. Mm. I think also what's really great about this is 
And it's not like we haven't ever seen this in previous boxing movies before, previous Rocky movies before, but they also like make it really personal, right? And in the sense that like you have Jonathan Major's character, someone from Adonis's past, and something happened in their past that Adonis feels partially guilty for, um, and that 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 incident took. Major's character, I think you said his name is Dame. Pretty sure it's Damien. Damien, yeah. Out of the picture for decades. Completely sidelined his own dreams, his own path and stuff. And it, you have this personal struggle of like one character feeling like another character stole uh, his dream, right? Or his life, really. Right. It's, it's not just one achievement that he wanted. It's the whole thing. Right, 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 right. So, uh, you know, that when that comes into the rain also, it, it, it brings an interesting dynamic and it's it's portrayed really well. It's executed very well. So that's the other thing is looking at this as a directorial debut, because as far as I understand it, Michael B. Jordan, he hasn't directed anything ever before. Yeah. I think this is his debut. I'm double-checking myself right now. Yes, this is his directorial debut. And it's really impressive as a directorial debut. You kind of expect as a as a debut, first time behind the camera, in the chair, you expect it to be serviceable. You expect it to be okay. But he makes a lot of creative choices and brings a lot to this film to to make it above average, uh, certainly above average as a directorial debut. And I, I, I think that's that's really impressive. That's really great. So a lot of strengths. Tessa Thompson, let's not sideline her. You know, she she's playing. The wife, the girlfriend, the love interest, right? Going backwards through this series. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a thankless role. But that character and her arc and her development over the past three films has been really nice and interesting to see. And she's always being Adonis's rock, right? She's always there to help him sort out whatever his issues are, right? And uh, that continues here. She is not just portrayed as the girl on the sidelines or the woman who waits at home and, and, or, or anything. She still has her own career and even her career aspirations are explored here and, and what has happened with those. And I think that's great. The daughter character played by Mila Davis Kent brings another new dynamic here. Uh, I think she was born in Creed two and uh, she is uh, really great, and we and I, I think that the future is bright for for this one. She plays a deaf uh, child. I don't know anything about the actress. I don't know if she's actually deaf. I don't know if this is her first role. It looks like she was in two TV shows before. I don't know anything um, about her, but um, she she's great and she and the representation here is great so there's a lot to appreciate here Shannon, what what didn't work for you about creed 3 
if anything all anything didn't was ever was there ever a point where things were flowing really well and then like maybe just one little thing or or something just kind of like oh that's weird or was there any flaws at all or issues that you had with the film um, I think that one or two, maybe just one thing was predictable. Mm. And I, I'm generally fine with being right. Yeah. But I, I was a little like, oh, I can see exactly where this is going. Yeah. Uh, with the, the mother figure, particularly. Oh, really? Oh, okay. The mother. See, okay. All right. You're talking about Felicia Rashad's character. Yes. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Uh, All the things that happened with her. All the things. I oh, knew. okay. Except for you know, they said that. Oh, well, you know, you know, there's one thing that they say. Oh, you had a stroke. They say you had a stroke. Uh, we're worried about you. And as soon as I heard stroke, I'm like, I know exactly how this is going to go. <laughs> okay. So everything about what she was bringing was predictable. And uh, the only yeah. thing I thought you were going to speak to, there's a particular event that happens in the middle of the movie. That well, and also there was. There was a, a match in the movie that you were like, it wasn't even a match. It was a practice. And you're like, she's stepping out. You're like, I know what's going to happen. And it ended up like not happening yeah. there. But <laughs> like, there is a match where you're like, oh, like I, I definitely was like, oh boy, I don't, I don't know if I want to see where this is going because yeah. they've really built up this match. And I Well, that was think- a kind of smart decision, right? The, where I was going to go to the restroom. Where I thought, oh, this uh, sparring match, mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen, so I'm going to walk out now. But as I was walking away, it cut to a more personal scene yes. where something had happened with the daughter at school, and yes. so they were having a meeting with the teacher, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll stop for just a second, <laughs> and I'm really glad I did because it was a fantastic scene, yeah, uh, yeah. beautifully shot and just stunning. It, sure, sure. But I wouldn't. These are mild things. I would say for for me, the only thing that was uh, really weird is there is a major event that happens. Well, I guess technically there's two major events that happen with Adonis that felt weird that Rocky wouldn't be there. And I, I don't want to, well, first of all, like there's, there's the main match that you see in, in the trailer that you know that this is all leading to mm-hmm. a little weird that, oh, Rocky wasn't there to support uh, Adonis. Honey, I thought Rocky died. Did he die in the second one? I don't know. I don't think he did. No, no, he was alive, but like, it feels like, I don't know. It just feels like he's really done. Right. Because he's not, a, he's not in the movie at all. Right. And I was not anticipating him being there. Don't you think, though, that like there are two events that happen in this movie that's kind of weird that he's not there at all? Especially one event, like one really personal moment happens. Sure. That's like, oh, that's kind of weird that he didn't show up to support Adonis. Sure. I just I just assumed something had happened to him because okay. it is like technically I think it's like technically six, seven, eight years Oh, is it? As old as no. the child. The child's like... Since we saw Rocky. Yeah, 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 I know. I understand. You're talking about the chronology of the movie, I, I, um, especially since it's been five years since the last movie. I think the child's like five or six or something. She's a very tall child. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say because they don't say what grade she's in, I don't think, but she's in a deaf school. 
and she's like at an age where they're still like coloring they're still drawing in class and so like well, i don't know how deaf schools go with their learning structure their curriculum it could be different depending mm-hmm. on the school but i'm just saying like i'm trying to gauge what her age is based on what information i do have and i don't think she's older than six but uh but yeah i'm trying to find out whether or not rocky died in uh creed 2 because it's been a while since we've seen creed 2 we didn't watch it to prepare for this movie because i thought maybe he was sick or something but maybe i'm wrong i think you're thinking of like the previous movie where he was really sick and i actually thought they were going to kill off rocky um oh no rocky travels to vancouver to make peace with his own estranged son and meets his grandson for the first time so i guess we're to assume that rocky's not even in philadelphia anymore he's not dead but he is with his family yeah he's in a completely different state he's in vancouver now so there's that that explains why he wouldn't be around to support these things so I guess that's not that doesn't necessarily count as a flaw in the movie because like it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be there if he's not even in Philly anymore. Yeah. So that was the only thing that kind of stuck out to me while watching it, but I guess it's not even a thing. So I briefly thought about it, but then I also thought, well, this is more a story about about Adonis. It is, of course. It's, yes. Whereas previously, you know, he was fighting Drago. Previously, he yes. was you know, trying to get into boxing, I guess. Yeah. So Rocky was needed. But yeah, Rocky's not needed. Right. It would be nice to see him, like maybe some sort of hint that he's still in the world, some sort of element to show that. Mm. But, you know, they, uh, unless we missed something. No, I, I definitely do not mean to imply that Rocky's necessary in the film at all. Like ever since the first Creed film, this is definitely a pass in the baton. This is def- these three th- films are definitely all about Adonis. 100% regardless and and Rocky's always been there to support and stuff and it's just always been a matter of time of when when will um Adonis be freed up away from Rocky I just thought incorrectly that maybe Rocky might show up for a couple of these instances let's move on does the good outweigh the bad absolutely Ooh. I give this an eight an eight yeah, I think this is a strong start to the year. This is probably the the first uh, solid film of the year. We were fans of of Cocaine Bear, but you know, I I yeah, think that's this more like a fun romp. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would give this film also an eight out of ten. Very enjoyable. I was afraid. I didn't explain this before going into this. I felt like Creed two was like the Rocky two of Creed, where it was like it was fine. But it was definitely a step down from the first movie. And I was afraid this was going to be the Rocky 3 of Creed, where it gets even further away and, and more ridiculous mm-hmm. and, and, and and even breaks character or whatever it is. These things that happen in Rocky 3. And it, it thankfully, it was not the Rocky 3 of Creed. I'm very pleased to see that. I think this gets closer but is still short of the first Creed film. I think it's really good. I give it an 8 out of 10, and I definitely recommend the film. So, with that said, we're going to move into spoilers, talk about a few things, a little more in detail, the thoughts that we have, and final thoughts. 
If you haven't seen Creed 3 yet, we highly recommend it. Go to the theater, check it out. It's actually a fun film to see in the theater because of how the boxing is shot and stuff. And so it's a rousing film. Not quite as rousing as the first Creed movie, but really good in that regard. We definitely recommend it. If you have seen the movie, come along with us. Listen to the rest of our thoughts on this film. So here we go. Spoilers for Creed 3 starting now. All right, Shanna. So you spoke about things that are predictable in the movie. And you spoke about the end of the movie. Let's let's touch on those two things first so we don't forget about those. Which one do you want to handle first? Yeah, so um, when she said that, you know, when they said that the mother had a stroke, I knew she was going to die in this film and it just would mm, probably something would, you know, we saw in the trailer that Adonis is going to fight again. So I figured, oh, that's probably going to be something related to that. Mm. And then we find out about, you know, oh, uh, Damien said I wrote to you. Uh, Adonis didn't get the letters. The only reason Adonis wouldn't have gotten the letters is because the mom kept it away from him. And then we do see the letters. Yeah, I mean, we we see someone like Tanya Harding, Drago. And, you know, it's the the person is. Yeah, shatters his arm. In Damien's circle of friends through the letters, we find out that it's confirmed. So all of that was predictable for me. All of that. All of those things. And then she died. So all of that was predictable for me. Mm. Uh, I did like her deathbed speech. I thought that that was very moving and sweet. Why is that? Well, she's like a different way, a different way. And then she thinks that she's looking at her husband Mm. for a minute there. Yeah. And she speaks about how grateful she is for... Adonis coming into her life mm. and I thought that that was very sweet because it cannot be fucking easy at all if you're taking in the son that was a result of like your husband cheating on you yeah you know when you thought everything was hunky-dory mm. so I just I, I like that that was there you do know? you think that her death was in any way significant to the plot or the character I didn't think she was being fridged or anything so you know that was fine she is older and it was established that she had a stroke and i don't think that i think it opened adonis up to talk about what happened in his past Hmm, had his mom not died he probably would have kept that locked in a box so Hmm. it does move the story along a little bit and oh that's when you know tessa thompson's character is like then do what you need to do and that's when he decides to fight. Hmm. So, well, makes the final decision to fight. Hmm. So. Okay. That's not a big de- It's not like I was bored. Right, right, right. I was right, just right. waiting for it. Yeah, I, I was afraid of it, really. More than anything else, yeah. I was like, don't kill Felisa Rashad. <laughs> no. I was more expecting something to happen to Felix. Like, I was expecting it to happen in the spar, the first spar. Between Felix and Yeah, I thought he was going to get Dan. super injured. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that then, they chose Drago was a Tanya Harding Drago. That was fine. Well, because... So to, to explain, like, Felix was going to have a big match with Drago, right? For a title, right? And... 
Damien, he he wanted to just like jump right ahead and yeah. get and just get right into those kinds of matches, and it was just impossible. So what did he do? He created a situation where they were in a bind. They were backed into a corner. They had to make a decision to replace Drago, and because of financial reasons, really, because that's another thing that this the Creed films really touch on. I don't recall if the Rocky films touched on them as well. But the Creed films really touch on is like there's you know there's financial aspects to these matches you know well yeah and, think and, of it like an event you've booked the venue you've yes. booked the this and that yes yeah yes. people have bought their tickets right yes and so uh, you kind of get backed into a corner and so what they had to do was which by the way like just changing a person that can cost money too because you have all these posters and stuff i think the poster budget is minimal compared to everything else that they put work into you're right still (laughs) regardless anyway um so that's what what led to and when felix and and damien are in the match together i'm like oh my god what is he going to do is this going to be like bane is he going to like break this guy's back what's going to happen here that's funny and he starts like going for the shoulder. I'm like, oh, this is gonna get ugly, and I'm gonna feel it. Yeah. You know, it looks like he wants to dislocate Felix's shoulder. Whenever something happened to the, like the lad, the lats, I was like, I feel that. I feel that so much in my ribs. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like smart enough because the movie established like there's a there are th- moves that are illegal, like can yeah. disqualify you, right? This isn't just about like knocking out the other guy and that's the winner. Like there's you get points for certain types of hits. You get um you can lose points for certain types of hits. Yeah, you like can if get you disqualified. Get the eye and he like just nicked just under the eye with so his elbow. Just, yes. Yeah, just lost two points. Right. So I'm thinking, well, he can't like just completely like ruin the guy's shoulder purposely because that would disqualify him and that would make him lose his goal right yeah like so what is going to happen and so that intrigued me and kept me uh watching and on the edge of my seat through the whole thing so uh, yeah what else do we need to talk you said the end we need to talk about uh the end what was it about the end that we were referring well, to. Well, we were actually also talking about the particular fight scene between Damien and Adonis where it's a normal round, it's a normal right, round, right. and then it's, the crowd disappears. Yes. And there's elements that come in that represent their past. Yeah. Chronologically, too. To make sense out of it. What they, What is done that's so cool is because it's so personal, like the camera focuses on their faces zeroing in on each other just locked in on each other right just and you could see the 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 feelings the anger that they have uh toward each other and it's you could see this is not a normal match this is personal and so what ends up happening that's really cool creative choice is the crowd goes away right and it's just these two guys just like they are not focused they are not hearing anything else it's just them right and so they're boxing. And even at one point, like, the the ring becomes like a cage. It becomes like a cage match, you know? Well, it's a jail. Right? Yeah. That, that too, that, that works that well, too, that way, too. And so that was really, really interesting touches, really cool touches that I, I was really surprised by. I was really impressed with, with those, those kinds of things. Uh, what else? I really liked... 
the constant showing of support versus no support. So Damien has Damien has no support. He doesn't have people. He doesn't have a lot of resources. I mean, and then you know you get like, is it Felix? Yeah. Okay, you got Felix. So just comparing their walk to the ring, mm. Damien just has a green light on him. Yeah. And no one is even walking with him. And then Felix, it's this beautiful showing and story and somebody theatrical it's very theatrical yes thank you uh someone with smoke and i'm like yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) theatrics and then he has two people two or three people around him as he's walking up yeah and then you have you know something similar they break it down a little bit more with adonis and damien's match where damien's costuming is a little different Mm. and the light shards shining in his path are very interesting, but he's still alone. But more people are cheering for him versus booing. And to, then, to be clear, Damien does have two guys helping him. Yeah, but they're you know, not he does have with him. Mm. Yeah. And then Adonis, it's pretty simple as well, but red. And I loved Adonis's costuming where the robe he was wearing as he walked to the ring is the unia flag the afro-american flag uh with the red black and green and then in the front it's more the traditional usa flag so i thought and then you know he's wearing white so damien's wearing black yeah (laughs) Uh, Adonis and his team are wearing white. It's like the purity of the game versus well, corruption classic, of the game. It's classic good versus yeah. evil, right? So I thought that that was, that was really, really cool. Mm. Um, I really like that. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that. Mm. So all of these different contrasts, just the training sequences as well, contrasting between Damien and Adonis yeah. was beautiful. Mm. Clearly, Adonis is just using what's around him or whatever's publicly available. Uh, and even though he has so few resources, nothing Adonis? is... Adonis? I'm sorry, uh, Damien. Even though there's, you know, he doesn't have resources, it's not stopping him. Right. And... Uh, whereas you get Adonis pulling a plane and Damien's just climbing up two ropes, you know? So it's like these yeah. beautiful contrasts. But holy cow, <laughs> man, that's that's some tough training. But then even, you know, again, the like this destruction of when you're obsessed with a dream of achieving it, the destruction you could leave in your path as Damien is training and sparring with people, no one's coming back to the ring. Uh. So eventually he like goes through the people that, you know, thought they you know would have a little fun Uh or whatever and no one comes back yeah so it's very much this lone wolf and then adonis has people cheering him on yeah even just with training so i just i thought that that was so interesting and it made me really empathize you know it made me really sad for damien's situation and i feel for him i'm like you had this dream you had the talent you just were locked up and it's just it really sucks. Yeah. And, you know, at the end when Adonis wins and Damien's in his lock, you know, Damien's in Damien's locker room and Adonis comes over to, to talk with him to have that heart to heart. It was such a beautiful moment and definitely like made me think of like, my little pony friendship is magic. Take him with you. Take him with you. You mm. guys can figure something out, mm. you know, but what he does say is like, you know where to find me if you want me, you know, yeah. if you need me. 
So that's what I wanted to talk about. I really love those elements in the film. I really, really love that. I think one thing that we didn't talk about before that's worth acknowledging is Jonathan Majors. He's able to, earlier he, he this year, he was uh, Kane, the Conqueror, and Ant-Man. Yeah. And, you know, he's a villain there. And ostensibly, he's a villain here. And yet they're two very different performances, very different characters. Hmm. He's not just like the same old bad guy getting typecast. Well, no, it's just I'm t- there's there's he's able to find nuances to, to playing these characters very differently. And I think, you know, it's a credit to his talent. He's immensely talented and and he's great in both things. And so I, I, I think that's something that we failed to mention earlier that I thought was needed to be mentioned is, is Jonathan Majors is great in this movie. I've been a fan of his since Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. I can't talk today. Yeah. This is very difficult for me. Yeah. Sh- yes. I, I forgot to mention we had to cancel a, an episode. We've never canceled an episode in five years, six years of doing the podcast. We've postponed episodes, but we never canceled an episode. Shanna has been uh, sick and had a very, very busy uh, schedule that just prevented us from doing an episode last week. She's still uh, not feeling well, so I appreciate her being a trooper, making the time to to make this happen. Well, you know, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors apparently are the, all the motivation I need to push through. <laughs> 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 yeah, you were talking about the sexiness earlier. You referenced oh, yeah. that, yeah. 100%, ten, like 20 out of 10. Just so much fun. <laughs> and then there's like a scene, I think Adonis gets punched and like the sweat and the water falls yeah, off of his true. back. And I'm like, oh, stunning. Yeah. I don't want you to be hurt, but that's so pretty. Yeah, that <laughs> moment when Adonis gets um, punched in the chest and it looks like he has the wind knocked out of him. The way the the sweat and everything is is shot slowly flying off of him, that was really really cool too. That was just one of those things that like nice touch that I was impressed that Michael B. Jordan did. Before we finish, let's talk about the daughter. Okay, yeah. The daughter has been learning from her father. It turns Through YouTube. out, right? <laughs> So, like, when she has a bully who, like, straight up tears a picture she drew in half of her and her father, which is like, that's some bullshit. What the fuck? Like, she goes up and she punches that girl out, right? But, like, her form, I don't know anything, but her form seemed perfect to me. Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but the thing is... The movie explores like, okay, so what are the effects of a child uh, who's grown up in a boxing family? Like, what lessons do they take away? And like, how how do they learn like when it's appropriate to fight and when it's not and stuff? And there's even a little bit of a, a dynamic struggle between Adonis and and Tessa Thompson's character. The name is escaping me right now but there's a little bit of a struggle between them of like well like where they're both coming from (laughs) in in parenting the child and in in getting the right uh lessons instilled and i thought that was actually a really nice touch but the thing is this is something that apparently is in this girl 
And she, it's not something that like, she's just going to, it's not a phase. It's not something that she's going to let go of. She's studying. She's freaking studying her father's moves, every single mm. match and stuff. That's an indication feels, of something significant, right? Yeah, it also feels really intuitive for her. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, you spoke about, oh, bringing the next generation of boxers in. I think... You know, if they did a, a, another movie, I would love to see her boxing. That's because then it's yeah. like, oh well, let's bring in woman into boxing. Let's see what that world's like. That has not been explored yet in this world. Not in um, this world. Yeah, we haven't seen actually anything like it since Million Dollar uh, Baby. Oh, I forgot about that one. I was going to say Girl Fight, which oh, I, I haven't seen that one. I think came out before that with Michelle Rodriguez. You're right about Million Ooh, Dollar Michelle Baby. Rodriguez. I forgot about that. Yeah. But yeah, so I was going to say, I don't think we need a sequel for Creed, uh, but what would be great is, you know, these these studios, they love to hang on to their, their IPs. They love to keep recycling them. I think it would be great if... 10 years from now, we came back and had and focused on the daughter growing up. I would up. love that. You know, I would love that. I don't so care much. if she's an older teen, I don't care if she's in her 20s, but I think it would be really cool to see the Taurus torch be passed between Michael B. Jordan and his daughter. Because as you said, the way it ends, you know, like we already in this movie, we have Adonis coming out of retirement for a fight and a fight that's personal. Like I know that there were like six or seven Rocky movies, but like, do we really, do we really need to do the same thing with Adonis? I don't know. I kind of feel satisfied with how this film ended. And if anything, man, I would really like to see another film with the the focus being on his daughter. I think that would be refreshing and interesting. I, I think it would be very interesting because it also opens up to so many different things, like the female perspective of boxing, but also like the black female experience of, mm-hmm. of it, as well as what about the deaf community? Yes. And that world is definitely opening up in Hollywood, especially after yes. Coda? Coda? Yeah, Coda. After yeah, Coda. Last year, yeah. And I feel like... People want more of it. I mean, like our son is taking sign language and, yeah. uh, you know. It's a language you can take as a foreign language. Yeah. yeah. And people talk about, oh, well, we're going to teach our baby sign language, but then it kind of stops after a while. And so it's like, well, let's let's get it more into our culture, our mass culture. Yeah. I think there's a lot there to explore. I mean, also, it, it's it's important to, to note, like Amara is, yes, she's black. She's a deaf uh, black woman. But she's also like being raised in a privileged environment. Let's explore that as she gets older, as she is older. What what does that look like? What what sort of conflicts does she run into with that as well? I think there's a lot of potential here. That's what I would want to see. I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he's done a fantastic job with this movie and the past two movies. But I, I think... I'm satisfied with where this character is at at this point. I don't know that we really need another Adonis movie. No, no, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing Damien again in some capacity. Oh, not wow. like a spinoff, not anything like that, but oh. like, I want to know that he's going to be okay. And if he's not going to be okay, I still want to know. Mm, like, all right. All right. So those are our thoughts on Creed 3. What did you think about the film? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. 
Shannon, before we talk about the next episode of The Movie Lovers, why don't you share where people can find you online? You can find me at Shanna Paxton Photography on Instagram. And you can find me on Flickchot Spellbinding A. Excellent. Go to the GibsonReview.com. I, I do bracket polls there. No, not on the, oh, on the blog. <laughs> Good Lord. What happens if, no. you're, if I'm sick? This so I happens. was going to say there's a new article that should be posted. By the time you're hearing this episode, it is my 30 favorites from 1930s. So I have 30 favorite movies I count down and talk about in this article. I think it could be a, a great resource if you're not familiar with the 1930s movies and you're, you have a, a love of cinema and you want to see what you're missing out on and, uh, and get some recommendations. I think it's a great one there. Also, if you are familiar with the 30s, I think it's it's a fun article to read and kind of see, you know, what I like compared to what you like and stuff. So check that out. That's at thegibsonreview.com. Also, you can follow on the social media, facebook.com slash thegibsonreview. Also, the Gibson 99 on Instagram. Yes, that's where I do bracket polls. And we just <laughs> are finishing up. In relation to technically the previous episode we did, where our favorite pretile sequences, we are learning what your favorite pretile sequence is. It's down to Lion King and Ghostbusters, the beginnings of those two movies. Oh, I man. have a feeling that Lion That's King's going to come out on top. It probably is. We will know by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but uh, follow along on there to keep. Um, you know, in the loop on other bracket polls and things that we do there. Okay, so next episode of The Movie Lovers, it will be another film faves list. It will be our favorite movies that make us cry. So are we focusing on particular moments that get us every time? Well, those will be the reasons why the movies may make our list. Because I have movies that are like, if I need a good cry, I watch this one. And I know I'm going to cry, so I'll watch that. Uh But sometimes it's like a particular moment. Sure. And sometimes it's like several. So Sure. Yeah, that all qualifies, I think. Very subjective list, I think. It's going to be an interesting one. We'll bring the Kleenex. See if we can get through explaining why these movies make us cry without absolutely breaking down in tears Well, because i can already tell what you're gonna say about one particular movie and i know i'm gonna cry like mm. i'm almost mm-hmm. crying just thinking about you doing it <laughs> i'm not even thinking about the moment in the movie i'm thinking about you doing it <laughs> well look for that episode on tuesday march 28th until then keep loving the movies this is jeff and shanna saying bye-bye